You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 174 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On today's show, Tech Sideline was able to attend Virginia Tech football's practice last week, got to tour the new weight room, the new student athlete performance center, and we are going to discuss the day that Will and Chris had getting to watch practice and see all the renovations that have been made over by the Merriman Center and more. Looking forward to that conversation. Plus, we continue to preview position groups heading in to the 2021 college football season for Virginia Tech. We will preview wide receivers and tight ends on the show today. Plus, a little bit of baseball and softball talk. All that and more coming up on episode 174 of the Tech Sideline podcast that gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we are so glad you could join us as we record on Monday morning, April the 5th, our first show in the month of April. Our crew today is always to my left. We have our managing editor here at TechSideline.com, Chris Coleman. Across the way, he is wearing the awesome Columbia VT shirt today. He is our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. Behind the scenes, back this week. So glad to have the best podcast producer in the land. It just does not feel complete without having the great Malcolm Stewart. He's back behind the scenes. And I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Great to have you with us. Well, we have a lot of people who love to watch the show. And we appreciate that. So if you're watching, I mean, like, what are two things you could do right now? You should like and you should subscribe. Now everybody pause. Wait a minute. Done? Okay. Thank you for liking and subscribing. And comment. and com- comment know, really helps with the algorithm. Yeah, that's and true. Like that. you know, yeah. We, we appreciate, so, actually, you do a great job, too, of chiming in with those that comment after the show. Right. So comment, like, after the final video is archived. Yes, we appreciate comments during the show as well and questions during the show. <laughs> but but YouTube doesn't really, I don't think, pay attention to that. It's, it's algorithms wait and see who comments, like, afterwards. Even if you comment, your show was horrible. It still helps. Right, comment something. <laughs> we did get a downvote on last week's show, but uh, you know, the person you know, did it. We talked about getting likes, and we, we had a hundred, I just looked, 134 likes. Nice, very nice. So I'm going to put a uh, 150. That's our goal for this week. Yeah, I was going to put that out there. So, anyways, uh, it's so great to have everybody with us. And if you are watching on YouTube and you are watching live, then you can chime in on the YouTube chat, like Ronnie Adams is doing right now, saying, Good morning. And Bruce Drew just randomly commented, I like sandwiches, just commented in the chat. So thank you, everybody, for chiming in. If you have a question for Will or Chris, we'll get so, to them so at the Chris end of the So Chris is like super fit now. We're talking about this this last week, and Chris is like, I don't eat carbohydrates at all. He's, I'm like, how do you not eat sandwiches? You don't eat bread? I mean, yeah, I well, I was – well, uh, 
I normally do. Like even when I drop from like 16% to 10%, uh-huh. I was eating bread every day in the form of like a peanut butter sandwich for oh, lunch. Man. But I cut that out recently, yeah. like Gosh. over the last month. Good uh, for you, Chris. So I just eat like ground turkey for lunch and stuff like that. So so I cut carbohydrates by going from eating huge bagel sandwiches to just smaller pieces of bread. That, that's what I do. Our comments consist of good morning, I like sandwiches, and I like cheese right now. So we're off to a great start cheese? in the comment section. Okay. So, Smoke yes, beer. I like cheese too. So, okay, let's let's go ahead and transition <laughs> and get into it. Text Online Podcast is presented by uh, Campus Emporium as well as the Southeast Regional Training Center. But now you can get involved with Virginia Tech Wrestling today by going to southeastrtc.com. Tax Sideline Podcast also presented by DraftKings, as well as Anytime Fitness. Each new member gets a free fitness consultation and a program is designed. For your first billing period, you can sign up for $1. $1. That's a great deal. Call 540-951-1340. 540-951-1340. Ask for Tyler and tell him that Tech Sideline sent you. So we, we haven't talked a lot about Anytime Fitness, uh, so, so let's give them a few minutes. Um, they, are, they are getting towards the end of a three-month sponsorship. They came in on January 15th, and they're rolling out on April 15th. So, so the whole idea is that I was going to go and work out with a personal trainer, which I've been doing twice a week. Uh, Mitch Ludwig, Mitchell Ludwig. Does he prefer Mitchell or Mitch? I call him Mitch. Uh, he goes by Mitch at the gym. Right. When he played football, it's like it was Mitchell. It was Mitchell. That's right. what I thought. Yeah. Kind of like Mitch and Mitchell Trubisky, but, you know, except we like Mitchell Ludwig. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if you guys don't know this about Mitch, Mitch is like, he's the most muscular punter on the on the planet Earth. Of course, he's not a punter anymore. Um, so I've been working out with him twice a week. And so I have in the, it's been almost three months now. And on the scale, I've lost 10 pounds, which for a guy my size is a big deal. That's congratulations. I went from 186 down to 176. I need to get down to 170 or 165, you know, probably from a, from an overall weight standpoint. But they got a cool machine there that tells you, you know, how much muscle mass you have, how much fat weight you have, where it is, all kinds of stuff like that. So even though I've lost 10 pounds, I think I've lost at least 12 pounds of fat, probably more. So, um, so, so the one thing I wanted to talk about is if like I've lifted weights off and on since I was a kid, like 11 or 12 years old, my brothers taught me how to lift. And, you know, so I've, I've been lifting for literally decades and I never had a personal trainer. People would say like, oh, if I didn't have a personal trainer, I wouldn't go and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, ah, that's because you're not motivated, you know, but the experience with having a personal trainer has been really interesting because um, I'm a pretty boring weightlifter. I just do the basic, you know, squats, um, bench, curls, shoulder presses. Mitch makes me do all kinds of stuff that I would not do on my own. Mitchisms. Mitchisms. What they call Mitch. them. And he doesn't. He doesn't stand over you and go, "Come on, Will. Come on." It's it's not like that, yeah, you yeah. know. But yeah, he makes me do stuff I wouldn't do. That is good for me. And I also. It is true that when you have a personal trainer there, you push yourself further than you otherwise would. You don't you don't want to quit when another person's 100%. watching you. Although there are times where he's like, give me 12 reps. And I'm like, you're not getting 12. <laughs> so, <laughs> so get eight or 10. But I pretty much never quit on Mitch. And the last thing I wanted to say is one of the more interesting, interesting things about this whole process is they sit down, they do an interview with you ahead of time to kind of get a feel for things. And because of the amount of experience he has, 
it, he has a knack for picking the exact right amount of weight. He doesn't pick too much. He doesn't pick too little. Yeah, it's rare when I start, when he says, okay, get a 45 and let's do this, that I'm like, I pick it up and I'm like, ah, oh, we need to go down to 35 or, or something, whatever. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've been doing this for three months now, and there wasn't one workout early on where the deadlifts he had me do at the beginning of the workout were a little bit too much. But, you know, he figured that. And there was one time fairly recently where we benched and he and this is rare. He underestimated how much I can bench. So he's like, oh, we'll put on more. Oh, we'll put on more, you know. But for the most part, he's it's interesting. The people that are experienced at it have a real knack for picking just the right stuff for you to do. So that's my pitch. Um, They're going to be on for another week or so. uh, But just, uh, you know, like I said, uh, give it a shot. If you've always wondered about it, give it a shot. As we say. Free fitness consultation, and mm-hmm. a program is designed for you. I also recommend it because you know you pay for you pay in advance, right? For your six months or a year or whatever time period you sign up for, and if, when you pay for it in advance, you know from a bi-monthly uh, perspective, it means you you're not going to skip because you've already paid for it. You you've signed a contract. Yeah. All right. That money's coming out of your bank account whether you actually go or not. So you might as well go. So you are going to yeah. go. Um, and they're they're flexible. Like I've had to miss a few uh, workouts, and Mitch has always rescheduled something to make sure I get my two a weekend. Yeah. So again, five four zero nine five one one three four zero is the number. Ask for Tyler and tell him that Tech Sideline sent you. Again, really great to have all of you with us here. Recording on Monday morning, April the fifth. We actually are going to have more time than normal to take your questions at the end. So we already have one from Les. We'll get to that at the end of the show. If you have a question about Spring practice, football positions, could be about basketball, whatever it may be. Drop those in the chat. We'll get to those a little bit later. We'll talk baseball and softball later in the show. But we will spend the majority of today's podcast talking about Virginia Tech football and the experience that Will and Chris got to have last week as Virginia Tech, the football team, invited media members in to not only watch practice, but go toward the new weight room, see the new student-athlete performance center. So... Will, just your overall takeaways, because there's been so many new things that have been done during the pandemic, and the public has not been able to see it. Right. So what were your overall takeaways from your day with Virginia Tech football? So they officially opened the uh, expanded Merriman weight room, I think it was the first week of March. Um, And I had snuck in there uh, way back in November. I went over there with, with my camera one day and it was the end of the day and there was nobody around. So I went inside and now I took pictures of the weight room when it was empty before all the equipment came in, you know, and, and like literally when they opened it, I think it was around March 6th or so the equipment like literally came in at the end of the week before boom, they got it set up and, and they're, and they're already using it. So, um, so I'd been in there, I'd seen the space and we had had a good look at the equipment on a YouTube video that they did with Ben Hilgart and, and to, to pimp our product, uh, Brandon Patterson, just from the brief Hilgart video, was able to write an excellent uh, article for us that's over on the subscriber side about all the equipment in the Merriman Center. And because Brandon knows, uh, he knows a lot about football, but he, know, he also knows a lot about strength and conditioning. He's kind of a, a, a I don't want to say guru, but he pays attention to it, you know, so it was real interesting. Brandon could look at all the equipment and break down everything that they could do. And so sucking Mitch, you should ask him about it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> because 
I, I don't want to, we, we can talk about that. I don't want to go down that path just yet. So it was cool to see the weight room. Now, the thing about the weight room tour was it was given by Pete Morris, who's director of strategic communications, because the strength and conditioning people were actually at the practice mm. at that moment in time. So, so Pete's walkthrough probably wasn't quite as detailed as something that, say, Hilgert would have done if he had been there. And then we went up and saw the Student Athlete Performance Center, which I had also gone in and taken pictures before it was uh, fully ready to go. And uh, I was uh, pretty impressed with that. Um, and, yep. and Chris can get into some of the stuff that, that we saw, but they did have a crew there, you know, working. And we talked to, uh, I believe, Allison Onion was mm -hmm. her name. Allison is director of uh, nutrition for Virginia Tech Athletics. Cool last name, never seen him before. O N Y O N. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I, a softball player, Cornell. I want to say Cornell. Yeah, she yes. played for, and she was a good player too. Yeah, yeah. pitcher. Um, so uh, it, it was, and she said, uh, I didn't record any of this. Haven't read any articles that other people have produced, but I believe she said they have five full-time nutritionists. They're getting ready to hire a sixth, and I think they have a seventh kind of on a part-time consulting basis. So you're, you're sponsoring 22 sports and you've got six or seven nutritionists so they can, they can distribute the work, um, uh, you know, and it's, so it's not just one person handling all mm -hmm. sports like it would have been. 10, <laughs> yeah, that's impossible. Sports. Yeah. That's, that's one person handling the, yeah, so, the nutrition of 500 plus people. Yeah. That's impossible. So, yeah. so it was cool seeing those things. And I'll let, I'll let Chris throw in any thoughts he yeah, wants to. You, well, your um, biggest takeaways when the day was over, you were, you, what did you walk away uh, saying? This was the coolest thing I saw today. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's obviously, I was able to simulate in my head more what it's like to be a football player because our schedule for the day kind of simulated what a, what a typical day for a football player is when football practice is going on. Uh, you get to practice, you get to the indoor facility, which we did. We went to practice, and then as soon as we went to practice, we went up to, uh, or as soon as we left practice, we went up to the Student Athlete Performance Center, which is basically what they do. They go to practice, and then they go to the Student Athlete Performance Center for a meal. And uh, obviously they go to the locker room and change in between. But as soon as they leave the locker room, it's just uh, walk up the flight of stairs. Yeah, a couple a couple stories and 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 you're there. It's very very important to uh, after a two hour football practice, the the calories you just expended get replenished as quickly as possible. Um, you know, preferably with a high protein diet. Um, and this makes it possible to do that. Uh, in fact, it's basically a requirement now, as opposed to in the past, you turn them loose. Uh, after football practice, and you have to depend on them. You don't know to, what they're do. doing. They could go back home and go to bed. They might have class right um, away. The, you know, you can go to Turner Place on campus and get a good meal, but if the weather's like it was this past Thursday, you really want to walk a mile across campus it was when, cold. It, when, when the wind chill is like 23 degrees. Well, and as Malcolm and, and I know uh, real quick, uh, if, if you're an athlete going to Turner, you're waiting probably about 30 to 40 minutes with all the other students to wow. get your food because right. there's no such thing as a short line Correct. at Turner. Right, right. right. And, so, and, the, and the nutritionists are not in those other. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so whether, whether a player does what he needs to do, Right after a football practice from a nutrition standpoint, it's kind of been a crapshoot yeah. here recently. 
Obviously, you can tell the ones who do it right. Divine Diablo, all you have to do is look at him, and you know he does it right. You think Wyatt Teller did it right? I think Wyatt Teller <laughs> did it right. <laughs> he did not miss very many meals. Yeah, um, so, so if you remember from last week's podcast, when we were talking to Jake about Pro Day, you asked him who the biggest winner was, you know, who, who, who advanced his case for getting drafted the most. And he said Divine Diablo. He said, first of all, you just look at the guy. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so to me, that's the biggest thing is now you don't, you're not turning them loose after practice. They're just going upstairs right after practice. And, and you know, you can get on TSL, and we'll give a plug for our subscription article. You can subscribe to TSL, read that article, and it's got pictures of the types of food. His uh, Friday Q&A from the end of last Was week. it a Friday Q&A? Yep. Are you sure? No, it was Thursday. It was my Thursday article, a day in yep. the Virginia Tech football program. That's right. So, yeah. so, so we, yeah, we went to the practice that morning. Yeah, he wrote the article it. that yeah. afternoon. Correct. A morning at a Virginia Tech football practice. That, that yes. was it. That was it. And – uh Obviously, the menu changes on a day-to-day basis and everything like that. But you, you'll get a basic example. Uh, so I, I think that'll make a big difference with them. I'll keep it short as far as what I say about the weight room. Uh, but I was talking to Mitch about it on Friday during my personal training session, and he said, uh, you know, he had watched a video of the weight room and, and everything like that. And the, and the biggest thing was uh, the old weight room. There were only two stations for lat pulldowns, right? The new weight room, there are 24 mm. because each rack is a multi, multi-use rack where you can bench, squat, and do all the auxiliary all stuff. Right. Things, yeah. It's just it's bigger and it's way more efficient. Yep. Um, now, obviously, you lift in, in groups like the, the linemen will lift together, the wide receivers and DBs will lift together, and like the linebackers and tight ends. You know, But can you imagine like – trying to get the entire offensive line group through a weight room session with only two lap pull-down stations. Now now you can knock it out just like that. Yeah, Almost almost every player has his own station just about. Yeah, and that was the biggest point that, that Brandon made in the article he wrote was that, that they, these new – so, like, I don't know, you'd have to go from a squat rack over to a bench, you know, and, and but these new stations are designed where you can just do a ton of stuff without ever leaving You rarely have spot. to move. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that, that stood out is, and this is kind of funny, is how wide the, the, the benches were. Yeah. Hilgart talked about that in yeah, his video. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, linemen are 300 pounds and they barely fit on regular size bench presses. I, I, would, know, I, would, I never really I thought, never really about, thought that about that. Yeah. They, yeah. They're roughly twice as wide as a regular bench. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so the other thing I wanted to add was one of the questions I had up, up back to the Student Athlete Performance Center was, you know, how closely do they track the athlete's food? You know, um, not that I've studied any of this stuff, but I thought to myself, you know, you could literally, when, when an athlete goes and gets their food and goes through whatever line, you could, you could literally track everything they're eating. So those were some of the questions we had for Allison. She said, she said, it's not like that. You know, when they come up, we will counsel them. And so they'll talk to the athletes individually, walk them through the lines and say, you know, since your goal is to gain weight, you should eat these things. If your goal is to lose weight, you should eat these things. And, and so it's just an ongoing process where they counsel the athletes, but they don't crack the whip or anything like that. You know? uh, and, you know, it, it might, might sound like a lot, you know, 105 football players, but, but very quickly you start to figure out the players that need counseling and don't. Like, I'm pretty sure if I was a nutritionist over there, I don't think I would have had to have said a word to D- Divine Diablo all four years yeah. he was, or five years he was at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Like, there are some guys you know you don't need to say anything to. And then there's other guys you know need extra special attention yeah. <laughs> when it yeah. comes to stuff like that, right? So it's it's not as uh, 
complicated or is it spread out as it sounds because I, you know, you know the guys who need the most help and who you need to stay on, and, and, and you so, can so, focus so, on those guys. So they've got a, uh, uh, they've got an oven up there, like a, it's not a brick oven, but it, it was actually a. Oh, flame there's an oven. open flame. Yeah, yeah, an open flame yeah. for for doing pizzas, all different kinds of pizzas, and just random example, you can get the Angus burger or you can get the turkey burger, and I'm sure the nutritionists are going, you go over here and get the beef burger, you go right. over here and get the turkey burger, that kind of stuff. <laughs> So I have been to the Student Athlete Performance Center. I didn't go with you guys, but I've walked in there before. And two points I want to make. A, the design of it is just really, really well done. Did yeah. you guys walk through the hallway yeah, uh, that yeah. connects from Castle yeah. into it? I mean, And for those listening or, or watching, it's the hallway that went from the concourse in Castle Coliseum to the Bowman Room. Yeah. The Student Athlete Performance Center is what used to be the Bowman Room. Yeah. For for those of you who've ever been, and it's got like room. these. What's the best way to describe that hallway? I mean, it, it's like orange and white. It's got a lot of quotes on the wall. You have to, you have a to really see cool yeah. so, entrance. Um, so back when I went in November, um, I respected Virginia Tech's wishes to not release photos of these things. So I took photos of the Student Athlete Performance Center, including the hallway you're talking about, and of course the weight room with no equipment in it. And I did put them on our subscriber board. I didn't do a photo gallery out for the main area of the site. But uh, now, now that they've done all the, the public display of everything, this, uh, this week I'll try to find time to go ahead and do a couple of photo galleries so you can see the hallway that you're talking about. Um, it's, it's just the, the walls are backlit with quotes on them and pictures of Virginia Tech Athletics. It's, you, have, you have to see it. It's kind of hard to describe. And another really cool feature, I don't know if you guys could tell, but there's a little porch like very small you can open the doors that yeah. are towards the uh, outdoor part of the yeah. practice fields and That'll i've been on the nice... big chairs yeah yeah it's like and... lounge chairs uh, but... it's like on your on your balcony or something that'll be a really nice place to have a meal when when the weather warms up so that's i also like... feel like it's a great place to go as a student athlete just to like study instead of having to go to you know d2 per trey se turner's already said he spends a lot of time there oh yeah thank goodness because he's one of those that needs to add some weight and, right. and he said in, in, in his comments about it, he said, and I remember when, when Witt first talked about this project years ago, um, he had a little session with the media in the football meeting room. This big, must have been 2017. Because wow, yeah. okay. they weren't, remember, they were announcing the $16 million donation. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. And, and this was, I think this was four years ago. It's been a while. Mm -hmm. But uh, he, he talked about the. Um, camaraderie that would build amongst not just athletes in a certain sport but athletes across all mm -hmm. sports that they'll encounter each other up there and trade the reason i bring that up is trey turner talked about that he and said the football players will go up there and then hang out afterwards well let's let's compare it to like uh let's say you get off work and you're not a full you're, you're not a football player you're a regular person you get off work you go to your local watering hole and you you meet your buddies who are also just getting off work. Well, this is kind of like that for student athletes at Virginia Tech, yeah. except that you know it's not a bar; it's a restaurant, right? You get off work and then you go meet your buddies right there, and you have dinner or, or lunch or whatever. And, and you, know? you get to talk about things you don't get to talk about during practice, you know, like I don't know, music, TV shows, things like that. So, uh, and one more thing, I just wanted to point out: I just think the way that everything's been designed is really unique for the football players, right? You think about the last five or six years, you've got the locker room right below the student athlete performance center, right? Just mm -hmm. about. Yeah. You've right. Got right the below it. Beamer barn 
right to the left, right, with the indoor practice facility, and then the, those gates can open, and then there's the outdoor field. Then there's the stadium, then there's the weight room, and then there's the student-athlete performance center all, I mean, right there. Yeah. Just like a perfect, but you can do you, everything you, on, you need right there. If you get on uh, Google Maps, you know, get the overhead view, and uh, you can just draw a circle right around it, and it's like everything that a football player at Virginia Tech is a part of, needs, is all within, you know, a 100-yard from one end to the other radius, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, and, and the only way in which, of course, all that got compromised was they originally wanted two outdoor fields, but mm-hmm. they, and, and they wanted to put the indoor facility back in where Stadium Woods is. And, and if you follow Virginia Tech Athletics and have for the last 15 years, you, you know what that turned into. And so the, the uh, indoor facility actually sits where there was supposed to be an outdoor field. Right. Um, so if you look around the country at most programs, most programs have two outdoor practice fields and the indoor facility. I think UNC has one outdoor grass field and one outdoor turf field. They'll right. use depending on who they're playing the upcoming week, whether they're playing on turf or on grass. So so VT is, I don't know that a program will use three practice fields all at the same time, but they do have two practice fields. The the indoor, of course, has artificial turf. They got the grass outdoor. So, so you know, they have everything they need. Uh, it's just, you know, kind of threw that out there to put things in perspective that most places have two outdoor fields. So you guys got to see the new weight room, the student athlete performance center, and you guys got to go in to see practice. Right. So <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, that was the boring part. No, <laughs> no, no we did not like it. We didn't sit there for the entire practice. Uh, but tell, they did. tell us a little bit about what that experience was like. So what they do is um, when they practice football, they have five minute periods. Um, I remember under Frank and his staff, uh, the periods varied in time. Somewhere there were like five. 10 to 15 minutes back then. There were fewer periods, but they were longer yeah. periods. So uh, Fuente, so so they let us in for the first 15 five-minute periods. So that's a long time. We were there for, for an hour and 15 minutes. And so they have a uh, they have a clock up on the uh, timer up on the wall there, and, and, you know, it counts up to five minutes or down from five minutes. And, and by the way, it's a different drill every period. Yeah, right. so that, everybody, everybody yeah. moves around, and yeah. there is no time wasted. Right. Mm. You know, uh, the players are always, they're either participating in a drill or they're running from one drill to another. Mm-hmm. Um, so That's impressive real quick because you think about football and how many players there are, like smaller sports like basketball, uh, there's no standing around. Mm-hmm. I feel like football is a sport where you might not be in a drill, so that's impressive. That there's constantly... a, I, I think the evolution of practice throughout the history of football is probably it's pretty interesting, interesting to study. Yeah. Um, I remember in high school there was a whole lot of standing around because so much of practice was scrimmage work and things like that. Now, these days there's not as much scrimmage work for anybody because the these dudes are so big and strong these days that there's so many injuries and things like that. Um, so it's more a position. Plus, plus CTE concerns. Right, you don't right. want guys banging heads sure. all day long. Plus it's a uh, – so there's more positional work and things like that. And I, I, we've seen it evolve at Virginia Tech from 15-minute periods to five-minute periods because – and I think the reasoning for that is uh, – and I, I don't know if, if – I don't know if this is actually the reasoning or not. Um, if Fuente was here, I would actually ask him. But uh, obviously, you know, people in that age group have shorter attention spans these days. I, I think uh, it's easier to uh, – to uh, ask them to do something for five straight minutes and keep their attention than to ask them uh, to, to pay close attention and be really dialed in for 15 minutes. Like uh, if you con- if you constantly keep things 
changing, then they won't get bored, right? There's even been some NFL coaches uh, over the last few years that, you know, you, you used to have these long two or three-hour film sessions in the NFL, and now these dudes, they can't concentrate for, for that long because they grew up in an era of this where something – there was always something new popping up in front of them. So, yeah. like, you've seen some NFL coaches, like, will go, like, 15 or 20 minutes in a film session, then give them a break, and then come back and do another 15 or 20 minutes or something like that. So I think that has something to do with it, is uh, attention spans are shorter these days. But uh, I, I actually, I, I kind of, I like the way the practice is set up. I have no basis for comparison because I'm not going to a bunch of other teams' uh, practices. But uh, I, I like that. There's constant change. Yeah, yeah. So and, and, and you talk about the sizes of staffs. Um, mm. There, there's 105 athletes out there, maybe even more than that this time of year. Uh -huh. I, I don't know what the roster restrictions are. And and if you're going to be putting everybody through drills, you need not just your head coach and ten. It's ten assistants. Ten assistants. You need more guys. So there's a lot of coaches. There's a, there, there's a lot of assistants, assistants out there that I don't even know, I don't who, even they know are, who they are, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas in, in, the, in the old days, you'd go to practice and you could just – It was, it was Frank Beamer and his nine assistants mm -hmm. and two graduate assistants, and, and that, that was, was it. That, yeah. Yep. So let me preface by saying we were talking before the podcast started that I was asking you how did practice go, which I'm about to ask you on the podcast set now. And uh, you did say that it's a spring practice yeah. with guys in jerseys. It's very tough to say. So uh, let me preface by saying, you know, you guys got to see a little portion of it. But who stood out the most to you in your hour and 15 minutes of practice? Like who were two or three players? You're like, wow. He looks good. Learned a long time ago that you can't take too much out of a practice, especially depending on the group, like running backs. I mean, they were in shoulder pads and shorts, right? Or, they all but they weren't full me. pads. They and weren't they, full they all, contact. They all look so, fast to me, and they all catch the ball pretty well. Right, and uh, so, like, unless a running back is running behind that offensive line that's fully blocking and he's getting tackled, you can't really tell too much about yeah. him. So every time one of these practices gets opened, it's more about – just talking to some people there and that are in the program and learning things that you didn't already know that that's that that's the most important part of, of open practices yeah. um now with that being said um i thought braxton burmeister had a very good day um he has definitely put on about 10 or 12 pounds um really solid compact looking guy now now to be fair that's the first time I've ever seen Braxton Burmeister in person. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, you know. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so I just, yeah. In fact, that's the first time I've ever seen any Virginia Tech football player in person since 2019. Unless I saw him at Kroger or something like that. Yeah, because right? spring uh, practice 2020 didn't happen. Which exactly. you might see at Kroger. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, uh, probably not as much now with the Student Athletes Performance Center. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so, but. So, yeah, I thought he looked like a bigger guy than he looked on TV last year. So him being up around 215 or so is, looks accurate to me. I thought he was very accurate throwing the ball. I, I didn't see a bad ball from him whenever I was watching him. So I, um, I remember – so I, I was – we were allowed a reporter and a photographer. So I was the photographer. I was carrying around and trying to get pictures of guys. So I didn't watch a whole lot of that. But I do remember one where there was a – Basically, a fly pattern to Trey Turner down the sideline, and I think it was Burmeister through the. He dropped the dime. It, it was the it was the two uh, first two passes of the wide receiver versus DBs yeah. drill straight up, which the DBs dominated, except for the first two plays when Burmeister 
45 yards down the field, fly patterns, boom, hit him dead in stride. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I thought he was good. I thought he was sharp, um, looked in command. Uh, now, we didn't see a team session with the offense, with the offensive linemen in front of him. And yeah, they're not like going to let us watch that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, they don't even – they may or may not even have done that on the day we were there anyway. So, yeah. um, but I thought he looked sharp. Um, as far as any other individual, like, I don't know that, like, anybody's play on the field actually stood out to me. I will say Neural Pollard, he's up closer to Deshaun Crawford's size now. Pollard was always in the 260 to 265 range, and now he looks 285. Yeah, the rumor is 285, so yeah. we'll see what happens when yeah. the update so he's Yeah, uh, so he's had a productive offseason, it looks like. Jordan Williams, mm. that dude looks the part. The transfer um, from Clemson. Tech's defense tackle group will feature seven players with with experience at this level, even all the way down to Max Philpot, who earned a scholarship in the offseason, who would be the seventh defensive tackle right now. If you're seventh string, if you're seventh defensive tackle on your roster, who, quite frankly, you probably don't even have enough reps to get him into practice once the season starts and you're game planning for the next opponent. If he's got experience on the field, then you're pretty deep. So I feel good about Virginia Tech's group of defensive tackles. And, and the whole defensive line, Belmar's still out with an injury. Right. Uh, Garbutt's back, fortunately. Uh, but I, I liked the the spirit of that group. I thought they had good camaraderie and everything like that. I thought Jordan Williams was a big, big part of that. Uh, they seemed to be having a lot of fun, and I thought they had good chemistry. Here's a tweet from Andy Bitter that went off of that. Our friend Andy's been on the show. No one, and I mean no one, got more excited today than D-line coach Bill Tierlink when a couple of his defenders ripped loose a fumble during one drill. Yep. The offense put a couple balls on the ground, which got a big reaction and some up-downs. Hashtag hope. And some up-downs <laughs> from the offensive from players, the, by the yeah, way. Yeah. So that's cool. And again, that's another person that you have not seen in person, correct, is Bill Tierlink. I never laid eyes on Bill Tierlink in person until yesterday. So just, it sounded like he was pretty energetic, fair to say? Yeah, I, for, for things like that, for sure. Um you know, Jordan Williams and, and him kind of seemed to be joined at the hip from from what little bit I saw. Yeah, um, and, and after, you know, as we were on our way out, Tierlink was, was standing and talking, and then the, def- the defensive linemen were all around him, and they were all listening, you know, and I, I couldn't even really understand what he was talking about, yeah, but they're all nodding. Yeah, well, <laughs> they were about to do a team session, yeah. I think, and they, they were going over things like that. But uh, the drill Andy was talking about, it's basically the tight ends and the defensive linemen and the whole goal is for the defensive lineman to try to rip the ball loose and the tight end to try to prevent them from ripping the ball loose. Well, the the, the defensive lineman won that battle, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, if this was a full-fledged TV show, I would actually we, – we, we could actually get get up up and and d- demonstrate the drill. That it's people we got the helmet right here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, We'd move the t- table out of the way. There's <laughs> my lunch pail. Yeah. <laughs> but at any rate, yeah, so you saw some tight ends doing up-downs. And that that's – that's the part of practice that gets really competitive, yeah. right? And, and like, there's not going to be that many situations where in a game where a defensive end or a defensive tackle is actually wrapping up a tight end and trying to strip the ball away. This is more about yeah, – yes, it's a useful drill. It can be a useful drill. But this is more about instilling competitiveness and – Building chemistry, and th- and that's where I, I talked about defensive line chemistry and everything. Yeah. Those guys were really – like, they were on the same team out there. They were trying to beat the tight ends. 
So. Yeah, and and so you know, defensive backs and wide receivers is always a similar thing. And all that and that, that pass I talked about, where Burmeister dropped a dime into Trey Turner's mm-hmm. arms, Breon Murray knocked it out of his hands. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a line in Chris's article that says. In today's practice, the defensive backs definitely seemed ahead of the receivers. We're going to bring a little tease into episode 174 of the Tech Sideline Podcast because we are doing position previews for the upcoming season. Today we're doing receivers and tight ends. So I'll ask Chris, what did he mean by that? And we'll talk about the receivers that you guys saw in person last week in practice in just a moment here as we step aside for a break on episode 174 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Still a lot more to get through receivers and tight ends talk we'll talk a little baseball and softball and then get to your questions on the tech sideline podcast it's everyone's favorite tournament of the year the golfers are in augusta georgia to compete for the coveted jacket and DraftKings, america's top rated sports book app is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a shot to land in the green this week DraftKings is giving you 100 to 1 odds on the golfer of your choosing to finish in the top 10 if you haven't tried DraftKings. This is the time. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any golfer from this weekend's tournament, and if they finish in the top 10, you cash $100. 101 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around often, so sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all of the action and choose your golfer before the tournament tees off Thursday morning. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TSL when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the golfer of your choosing finishes in the top 10 of this weekend's tournament. That's code TSL to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Virginia only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call the Virginia Problem Gambling Helpline, 888-532-3500. We'll step aside for a break. When we come back, we preview receivers and tight ends heading into the 2021 football season for Virginia Tech. We're back in just a moment. You're watching and listening to the Tech Sideline Podcast. Welcome back in to episode 174 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Great to have you with us for our first podcast in the month of April as we record on Monday morning, April 5th. Evan Hughes back alongside Chris Coleman and Will Stewart, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. A reminder, if you are watching on YouTube and you have a question for Will or Chris, we will have more time than normal to get to your questions. We already have a couple of great ones queued up from Zach, Derek, Justin, Les. We will get to those all in just a little bit. And Will, we have 22 likes right now. We, we need a little more. Bit more than that, right? Just say, hey, simple, like and subscribe. Yeah, so a lot of people come into the podcast when it's live. They come in after the beginning, so so they can they can get the directive after the break to like and subscribe. That's why we need the graphic to pop up. We do. Mm-hmm. Well, you know. Yeah. Well, we transition to talk about receivers and tight ends. Again, for the next couple of podcasts, we are going to preview every position heading into the 2021 season for Virginia Tech football. If you missed our discussion last week on quarterbacks and running backs, that's episode 173, and we went in-depth about Braxton Burmeister and the running back room. So, Chris, you mentioned it. I teased it right before we went to break. You said that the DBs Mm -hmm. are ahead of the receivers. Well, why is that? Well, there's a lot of youth. There's a lot of youth. So let me ask you a two-part question. One, what did you take away from the receivers that you saw in practice? 
And B, what are your expectations for this receiver group once the season kicks off in August? I expect Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson to be good players. And after that, I don't really have any expectations of that group at all. Um, I, I expect James Mitchell to be used a lot sort of as a wide receiver. <laughs> he could potentially be. Yeah. Um, and that's, I'm not questioning their talent level, but what I'm – are there nine scholarship players on the roster this spring – Five of them are freshmen. Four of those five freshmen are true freshmen, two of which are supposed to still be in high school. Your most experienced freshman is redshirt freshman Jaden Payute, who's out with an injury. So that means there's only eight available scholarship receivers this spring, and of those, 25% are supposed to still be in high school. So you've got Dwayne Lofton going up against, you know, Jermaine Waller and Dorian Strong, who, in my opinion, are two of the best cornerbacks in the country. And that you know that's not going to be pretty yeah. for for the offense. Um, when you especially when you compare that to the fact that Virginia Tech has four cornerbacks with starting experience, they've got Shamari Connor, a two year starter at Whip. Um, Keonta Jenkins, I think, at free safety is is a future NFL player. Um, mm. There's a lot of experienced players back there. So experienced, Tech has so many experienced quarterbacks this year. Did I say quarterbacks or corner? I said, I, said quarter, but we don't <laughs> I meant corner. <laughs> Certainly don't have many experienced quarterbacks, but Tech has so many experienced cornerbacks this year that I, I could certainly see them on like third and long situations, you know, third and eight, third and 10, third and 12, you know, depending on whether the other team is running a up tempo, no huddle or not. You could actually take Chamari Connor out, who sometimes struggles in coverage against quicker slots, and bring in a, a corner a real corner to play that that nickel role in those long yardage situations. Uh, I think there's more more depth. So, like, if Breon Murray's not a starting corner or Chamari Con- – uh, excuse me, uh, Armani Chapman's not a starting corner, but they come in on third and eight, third and ten, and that gives you a better matchup against a slot receiver. Which brings the question, is Daz Newsom back at UNC? I have no idea. No, I'm pretty sure he's. Uh, I don't know why eligible. he would be. Oh, good. I think yeah. him and uh, Diami Brown are both. Yeah. Good. I, Not a hundred percent sure. But I, I don't. know. When you talk about Jamari Connor and coverage, I have Daz Newsom right. flashbacks. No doubt. No doubt. So let's start with who we know in this receivers room. Okay. And you guys both just mentioned that you expect Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson to be really good players on this team. Well, what do what does specifically Trey Turner need to do? to take his game to the next level. What are you looking for to Trey to improve on for this upcoming season? Well, Trey Turner says he wants to get up to 195. He's, I endorse that completely. In fact, I've been writing about that since last season. I was yeah. like, 195 to 200, and he says 195 is the goal. Okay. I, I think there, there's plenty of ch- plenty of times this past season where I felt like he was one broken tackle away. Yeah, yeah. And if he was just a little bit stronger, a little bit more muscular – and oh. and I mentioned, you know, I mentioned the the play where Burmeister dropped it right in there, and that was that was that was in the end zone when that ball hit Trey Turner in the hands in the gut, and Breon Murray knocked it out. So you know, no more to those kind of things. Um, you know, Trey is uh, Trey's a, a good receiver. He's a guy that I don't know his stats off the top of my head, but he's been very consistent. You know, yeah, yeah, his numbers have been very consistent year by year. Yeah, so um, just, just. Uh, but the 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 problem is, you know, he's pretty much the exact same player he was exactly. when he was a true freshman. Yeah. Now he was a four star recruit, big time offer list. Tech got him over Florida State, and when he came in and 
remember the second half of 2018 as a true freshman we really started lighting it up and you're yeah. like oh man this guy's going to be really 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 good he was 187 pounds then and guess what he's still 187 pounds right. i don't think i don't think he's embraced the the Oh, off the off the practice field stuff that you have to do to be a good football player. So, and and you know we've talked about that many times, and we specifically mentioned Trey. So I'm not enough of an analyst to say you know he needs to work on his cuts. He none of that kind of stuff. Just um, let's let's see the next step. Let's see you be better than you were as a freshman. He's he's got such a big frame, and he he I mean he was 187 as a true freshman. Yeah. And he wants to be 195 now. Quite frankly, he should have been 195 as a true sophomore. Right. There was no reason for him to not gain any weight between those two years, right? So yeah. I, I think, I think Trey's a guy. You know, the light the light bulb comes on for different guys at different stages of their career. Sometimes it's on their entire career, and sometimes it doesn't come on until later. But I think it's finally hitting home with Trey some of the things that he needs to do, and maybe that he hasn't been doing in the past. Uh, he needs to do them now if he wants a chance to make it to the next level. Hokies return Tavion Robinson, who was the team's leading receiver last year in receptions and yards. So mm-hmm. felt like to me, fresh his, his freshman year two years ago, Chris, he was a really smooth punt returner who had potential as a receiver. Yeah. And last year he took steps forward as a receiver. As a, for sure. Uh, I, I thought, you know, the fact that he was – he was only a slot receiver as a freshman, and they used him in more ways, used him in a more variety of ways as a sophomore. Uh, the guy, it's interesting, you know, he's he's going into his third year in the program, and this is his first spring practice. You know, he wasn't an early enrollee. He came in as a true freshman and started right away, and then he was supposed to take a big step forward last spring, and, of course, spring got canceled. And as it turns out, he still took a pretty big step forward, I thought, as a football player, despite not having spring practice. Um, so I'm sure the coaching staff is, is glad here we are in his third year in a program that he's finally getting that time in, in, in the spring to really focus in on fundamentals. It's 15 straight practices where you don't have to worry about preparing for the next opponent. You just work on becoming the best football player you can be. Right. So, so let's, let's take a step back and, and give a general st- st- statistic about the receivers. And I can't remember where I read this, but I, but I just looked it up and, uh, knowing David Cunningham, David was the one who pointed this out. Um, you know, there were only two wide receivers last season with over 30 catches and over 500 yards. Mm. Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson. Uh, Tavion had 38, Trey had 34. Tavion had 592 yards, Trey had 529. Then you've got James Mitchell, Raheem Blackshear, which surprised me. He's the fourth leading receiver in terms of number of catches. Nick Gallo, Khalil Herbert, all the way down to Caleb Smith with eight catches. So as a group, they need to be more productive. Changa had three. Yeah. All know, the way down to Changa, actually. Yeah, yeah. Evan Fairs had two. You know, and <laughs> and both they were all, the same game, weren't they? Probably at the end of the I year. Think it was Clemson. Yeah. He had two against Clemson, ironically. Yeah, so <laughs> um, that's kind of a 10,000-foot view of the wide receiver core. And, and maybe if you haven't – like like I'm, I'm not uh, – the um, the stats guy that I used to be looking at that, I didn't know that. Mm, That's mm-hmm. uh, so there, there needs to be more production from the wide receivers as a group. Well, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I think 
some of that was due to their quarterbacks. And at the same time, I think the quarterbacks were limited by their receivers too, to a certain extent. Yeah. Like I think Trey Turner could catch more passes with quite frankly, Ryan Willis is his quarterback uh, than, than Hendon Hooker this past year. But I also think Hendon Hooker at times was limited by the fact that his receivers were struggling to get open. Yeah. Um, so it kind of works both ways. I think it does matter with the cry. Throw Caleb Smith here, for example, real quick. You remember in 2019, he had two touchdowns versus three games of the year with Ryan Willis as his quarterback. Yeah. Hooker yeah, comes yeah. in. And so I'm just, I think quarterbacks matter. And, and Oh, they do. You know, and, like, I mean, Willis had issues protecting the football for some reason in that stretch. Like that first, first month of the season, he was a turnover machine. And I don't think I'll ever be able to figure that out because he was not a turnover machine the previous season. And in fact, played quite well, yeah. uh, generally speaking, you know, considering he was a backup at the start of the season. The guy's got a big time arm. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think obviously when you lose a guy like Damon Hazelton because he's not going to catch enough passes because Ron Willis isn't his quarterback anymore. Um, and. He's gone now, so I guess we can say it, but like I never felt like Hendon Hooker progressed as a passer. Yeah. I feel so, like almost all the passes he completed at Virginia Tech was because of some kind of specially designed rollout misdirection, the smoke and mirrors offense, right? Um, as opposed I, to dropping back and, and, and his first going through course, his progressions. And, and one of those guys beats his man and is open. Right, exactly. Um, so, which is both a. A good and a bad reflection on Brad Cornelson. Yeah. You know, you can argue that he's not great at developing quarterbacks as natural passers, but my God, he gets the most out of his quarterbacks because he can design a smoke and mirrors offense. Right. Like, I don't think there's any way in in Hades that like the 2019 Tech offense should have been productive at all, starting two fresh, three freshmen at times on the offensive line a quarterback who was extremely limited, 180-pound running back and Deshaun McLeese, there's no way that offense should have done anything, but he managed mm. to make it effective. Yeah. So I actually think from a off, pure offensive coordinating standpoint and design of an offense, he's pretty good, but I don't know how good he is at developing quarterback. So it's a give-and-take situation, and that's we got completely off track. No, <laughs> no. no which is, no, which so is, so uh, to, to bring it back great. to the receivers, ideally what you would like is – you really don't want uh, James Mitchell to be thought of as your as your third wide receiver. I'd, I'd like three wide receivers who are a threat, and then James Mitchell. You know, right. four guys that can go out of patterns and cause trouble. <clears throat> All right, quickly because I want to get to the tight ends here. Make sure we have enough time for a lot of questions. Um, there's a lot of talented newcomers. Chris, you've pointed out that two of them should be in high school yeah, right now. Yeah, But I, out That's of this right. group of, before we get to them, actually, real quick, I think the one name in this receiver room that everybody, Tech fans are holding holding their breath on because they think he could be special is Jaden Payute. Yeah. So mm -hmm. much hype around him coming in at a high school, misses last year to a season-ending injury. What should we expect from Payute? Do you expect him to come in and contribute as a top three receiver right away? Expectations for him. He hasn't had a chance to practice. I mean, it wouldn't shock me, though, that by default he was the third starting receiver, but yeah. practice or not. I just think his talent level is that far ahead of of, of the other options. Um, I think he's, got, he's one of those guys who has his head on straight. We've got some pictures of him in practice last year before he got hurt where you could tell 
he took the weight room seriously oh, yeah? and everything yeah. like that. Uh, in fact, whenever I talk about him, there's one particular pitcher that I use all the time, and, and, and you know the dude's just yeah. jacked. And and, and and the promise of Jaden Payud is is the the fly pattern stretch the defense. Right? Yeah, too well, and quite frankly. I, I don't know how he compares to Trey Turner in a 40-yard dash right. or anything like that. It doesn't have to be a 50-yard 50, 50 bomb down the field. You get a guy in space, and look, he outweighs Trey Turner by 20 pounds, even though he's three years younger, right? That wow. dude works his tail off in the weight room. So He's, he's, an, in, he's an inch shorter than right, outweighs right, him by that. Right, much. right. So he's a little more stocky and solid. So he's more likely when, a defense, when he catches that ball and the safety comes up, and lays a hit on him to bounce off that hit and take it the distance. And he can use his speed, which is very, very good from what I understand, to take a 12-yard a slant, break that one tackle, and then go. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and maybe maybe there's an expectation or, or a wish that he can be the next Andre Davis if he really is as fast as they say. Well, you know. But remember, Davis had Vic throwing to him, and Vic had a cannon, and Braxton Burmeister doesn't have a well, cannon. Well, Vic and Davis were – the perfect combination for each other because yeah. Andre Davis was one of the few Virginia Tech football players ever what I, that I think had actual world-class sprinting speed. Yeah. Remember the guy went to the NFL and returned two kickoffs for touchdowns in one game. Yeah. And he just made NFL players look like they were running in sand. Um, Andre Davis was the only wide receiver in the country that could catch up to a Michael Vick deep ball. And, and Vic also had enough arm to wait, wait and know he was going to be open and still right. get it to him. And still get it to him, right? So they were the perfect combination. We saw two years later when, when Michael Vick wasn't in the program anymore, and Andre Davis was just kind of wasted out there because yeah. uh, uh, that was his strength, and Virginia Tech couldn't get, couldn't get him the ball down couldn't the field. Leverage it. Yeah. All right, so quickly, a final thought on the receivers, and then we'll transition briefly talk about the tight ends. Out of the following names, Jalen Jones – Tyree Saunders, Dallin Wright, Dwayne Lofton. Those four. Will, I'll start with you and then go to Chris. Give me a name of those four you think could be someone who comes on and contributes right away as a freshman. Uh, a guy I'm really rooting for. I don't I don't know that I can and can break it down just from looking at heights and weights on a piece of paper, but <laughs> but Tyree Saunders has always been very enthusiastic about the program and about being here. And he's a guy, so he's listed as six oh one ninety six. So he's good size. And, he, and he's a guy that I just root for to be successful. Tyree reached out to us to do an interview on him last off season, yeah. and we're like, "Oh, sweet!" So we got Corey or whoever to do it, and it's like, it's like, "Oh, it's cool that he wanted to do an interview, interview with, with TSL." Us. And then the same week, like five Virginia Tech sites had features on Tyree Saunders, yes, right? Yes, so he's so, reaching so out. He here. he made himself available. Yeah, but, but so he's he's going to do very well in the. Uh, Press conferences. And press conferences and, the, oh, gosh, what's the NIL? Oh, uh, name, image, and likeness. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, the NIL era, well, I would uh, say. Yeah, all right. <laughs> what about you, Chris, of those four? Um, of the four true freshmen. Um, well, you know, Wright and Saunders enrolled last year, so they're kind of super true freshmen right. to a certain extent. But the guy I like out of all of them the most is this probably the lowest rated, and that's Jalen Jones. You know, he went to Thomas Jefferson High School. And as you were telling me before the show started today, Thomas Jefferson High School, they have to play all their games on Saturdays because they don't have lights to play on Friday nights, right? Um, they haven't had an FBS player since the 70s. This is one of, historically one of the best football, one of the worst footballing schools in the state 
Hmm. And uh, not as of late, but historically, not as right historically. Um, Jalen Jones was a guy when he was recruited was listed at 180, 185. He enrolls at two hundred three. You know, he's supposed to be playing his senior season right now, so he's still inexperienced somewhat. But I like that he's a natural receiver. 76 catches, I forget how many yards, 1,300, 1,500, something like that as a junior. Um, he He reminds me a lot of Cam Phillips, and he can play on the outside. He can play on the inside. And, uh, and Evan, you were telling me this, that, that, you know that one of uh, Virginia Tech's other wide receivers, one other upperclassman, has uh, straight up said off the record that that Jalen Jones is is the best out of those young dudes. And he's just turning and, heads and doing a great. Right, I mean, right. Like, so, and he's the guy I liked during the recruiting process because I just thought he looked like a natural receiver on film. Yeah, here's his numbers real quick at TJ. Uh, you're right, seventy six receptions, over thirteen hundred yards, eighteen touchdowns as a junior in twenty nineteen. Right. Uh, and as you said, first player to sign with the Power Five school at Thomas Jefferson since 1974. Yeah, so, that's, that's a really big deal. Yeah, um, I, and I just, I don't know, just watching his film, he just does a lot of things naturally well, I think. And I doubt he's going to wow you with a 40 time or anything like that. He's just a football player. So cool. while I would certainly prefer to redshirt him and every other freshman in here, I, I don't think. All right, this, this list of nine scholarship receivers that's not conducive. To you know, redshirting every single true freshman this year. I mean, especially when four of the nine are true freshmen. Folks, right? fifty-nine minutes in, first time for the redshirt. Is it? Is it? Want to make it aware? Well, that's pretty good, done. Chris. It, it's a, that's a record. <laughs> uh, I I think Jalen Jones will play this year. Um, like a couple of those guys will probably. So there. So so the most likely we think to play and contribute is Jalen Jones, and the one yeah. we're rooting for is Tyree. Well, Tyree Saunders and. Right, of course they're going to play. I mean, they're supposed to be redshirt freshmen. Right. This past year doesn't count. Um, but of the two, you know, you've got super. You got those two super redshirt freshmen, and then you've got two actual true freshmen, in Lofton and Jones. And and I think of those two, Jones is the most likely to play. Uh, Lofton, if he gets on the field this year, they're going to have to change his jersey. Uh, number 30 for a slot receiver. <laughs> yeah, he, he needs yeah. something different. <laughs> well, as does maybe a couple of tight ends who are in the 90s right now. So let's transition from receivers to tight ends. And listen, we, we know that arguably the best player on this football team coming back is James Mitchell, right? Uh, someone who might very well be the number one tight end in the 2022 NFL draft coming up. Well, we've seen him in the slot we've seen him return punts out of emergency situations he kind of does everything for tech does his role change going into next year more does he get more receptions do you think like i'm I'm still hung up on the fact that he came back um (laughs) i i I haven't gotten beyond that i'm not sure um and and i didn't i didn't read a lot about it chris do you remember what his reasons for coming back were? Did anybody he just thinks he can improve his stock? I guess that's yeah. the only reason. You know, and yeah. and not being a guy who watches the draft closely, I don't know who was available this year that could that could push him down the board. Uh, you know, Pitts is the best tight end in the country, and oh he's God. coming out this year. Monster, yeah. Like, Which, honestly, oh, by the, the way, Tech almost got him. Really, it, that came down to Tech in Florida. Yeah. Other, oh my yeah. heavens! Tech, that, I mean, and it was really, really, really close. Total side note: that dude might become a Hall of Fame tight end. Like, oh yeah, he, yeah, yeah. They're, they're talking. I mean. There's an argument to like take him Te- number three Te- overall, Te- a Te- tight end. Tech almost signed him and James Mitchell in the same class. Ooh. Oh my heavens! <laughs> and Pitt, Pitts, Pitts, Tech was the first to offer Pitts, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm just really glad James Mitchell decided to come back because they yeah. they do need a third guy that they, 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 they rely on to catch the football. And I don't see another guy yet in the rest of the tight ends that, that, that can fill that role. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, the X factor who could elevate the offense more if he's involved, Chris, is, is Nick Gallo. I feel like he's the – the guy that everyone's talked about as a young player with yeah. talent. Is this the year he kind of takes a step forward? Oh, I, th- I think I think his third year in the program, going into his third year in the program, he's poised to have a good year. Um, I do wonder off the top of my head if Julius has passed him, though, because Justin Fuente, and I want to stress that this is an off-the-record comment. Okay. Fuente made an off-the-record comment to someone recently that he thinks Julius might be an NFL tight end. Uh, he has been a guy who's been patient. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was hurt his first couple of years, and and he got into the playing rotation and did a solid job as the third tight end last year. And you know, we talked earlier about the light coming on for different people at different yeah. times. I remember Brendan Hill back in the day, and he didn't get on the field for Tech until his fifth year, right? And then he had a, had a very good season, senior yeah, until, season. Until, until right. He, oh, wait, Julius right. six five two forty mm-hmm. redshirt junior. Right. So. Chris, help me remember, was there a time earlier in Dulius's career where we weren't sure if he was going to be a tight end or a wide receiver? Uh, if you recall, when he was a true freshman, I guess this was uh, 2017, uh, when Tech, that year, that was basically the year they just had Cam Phillips and nobody else. Yeah. And uh, they were really struggling in the red zone. And they p- pulled his red shirt and played him in the Boston College of that game because they felt like they needed another red zone yeah. threat. So he played maybe like four snaps in that now, game. That's back when red shirts, if you played a single game, you lost mm-hmm. the red shirt. Right. Yeah. And, uh, well, but he got hurt in that game. What a so, shame. Yeah. So, they were able, so they got him a medical. Okay. Yeah, yeah so they, he was still able to red shirt. Um, like I, well, the rule back then was uh, it was like three and you had to be hurt or something like that. And, and I, uh, I don't think Tech ever told us he was hurt. They just played him in that game and they didn't play him again. Right. So so, you, so we were sitting there going, what the heck did they do that for? Right. right. And then you find out later. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, uh, so yeah, um, I th- and I do think in that game he lined up as a receiver. That rings a bell, yeah. yeah. And, and when he played in high school in Charlotte, if you go back and watch his tape, he was an outside receiver. Okay. Yeah. So, so Julius Gallo and Mitchell, to me, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, like, when I think about this Tech team, Will, and all the different position groups, like, we're going to talk about defensive line next week, right? I mean, that's going to be a fun position group to watch. And the DBs have some young players. But to me, the tight ends to me are like that cool, like X factor. Like you just don't quite know. They could be the, the they could turn into the best position group arguably on this team. I, I, I think uh, the, the good thing about the group of tight ends is there's no unknowns there. there. There's nobody you can say, oh, well, I think that guy can be a pretty good player, but he's good. No, this is three solid guys in here yeah. at tight end. Uh, but but, but, I, I, but I would like to be surprised by Julius catching 20, 30 passes. Sure. Something like that would be sure, very cool. Sure, that would be cool. Don't know if he's yeah. going to have the opportunity. but And then uh, quickly, you mentioned it in your article that's on Tech Sideline real quick. I, I just want to highlight uh, Wilfred Penne yeah, real quick. Please. Because how cool is it to have a football player from France on your team, right? Yeah, I mean, that dude's huge. So, oh, yeah, Will, what were your yeah. impressions from 6'3", And I, Chris mentioned he could maybe transition to defensive end one day. So, uh, his, I mean, his high school film at defensive end was great. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know about that 240. He looks bigger. Oh, man, he looks 255 me. or 260. Yeah. Like, And I say defensive end, 
That dude is a hoss, man. He's very thick. He's from, very from the right. Down. Right. He look. Yeah. He really is. Is he the right. kind of player, regardless of position, you feel like he'll just find a way to get on? Uh, he's the field such a good athlete, point. and he's such a hard worker. So, so here, here's a way. Here's how I think of Wilfred Panay. James Mitchell is six three, listed at six three two forty two. Panay's listed at six three two forty, and they look very different to me. Panay, yeah, Panay's yeah, just a yeah. He's just a thicker set guy. Yeah. Um, Panay, I like for a lot of reasons. I already mentioned, you know, talent level, work ethic. Um, I think the the recruiting process of, of from high school players recruiting to college in the states is, I don't like it. I've said it before. You know, you get these, you get people on Twitter begging sixteen and seventeen year old kids to come to their school, and some of these kids are going to get big headed and they're not going to work as hard. Because you got grown men for some reason think they need to spend part of their day doing stuff like that. That's another story. Wilfred Prenet came up in France where they don't do that. He's had nobody kiss his butt. Uh, he comes to the states, didn't even know the language, uh, so he had to learn the language while learning the game of football. Picked up wrestling in the process, by the way, and was one of the best wrestlers in New England. I follow this guy on Instagram, and he's putting up his kickboxing videos. Wow. Uh, so, so, so what, I, what I'm, they, I'm sitting here watching him punch a punching bag, and he's got such quick and powerful hands. He's getting his foot up above his head in these kickboxing stuff. So, so what are you going to do with this guy? You uh, know, right. Uh, is, is well, what? he's you know he's still raw as a football player. Is he a and, and there and there is a language gap of or language. I mean, yes, he speaks English. He probably speaks better English now by the book than the coaching staff and his teammates. And that's the problem that they're, they're, they're speaking a slang English that he doesn't know. He only knows English that he learned in a book. So right. there are certain things where he's like, you know, what are you talking about? I don't know what that means. Some of the, and some of this football terminology can be difficult too. Um, even if you're grew up in the States, football terminology can be difficult. So, you got to overcome things like that. But I think all the tools and the intangibles are there for Panay to be really, really good. I don't know if it's going to be at tight end or on the defensive line. Don't know if it's going to be this year or next year. Right. Or year Assuming after. he would redshirt this year, maybe. Redshirt, and he would have redshirted this past year. Now, now here's the problem. Like, He's one of th- three true freshman tight ends on the roster. Now, he was recruited in last year's class. So and, he's been here a year. <laughs> right. Jared Gibble and Jack Holyfield were recruited in this year's class. Now, here's the problem. It's, what's, what it's, it's going to lead to attrition down the road. You've got four true freshman wide receivers in one class. Well, two of those were from last year's class, and two of them were the 2021 class. But because of COVID, they all count as the same class. So yeah. you can't get any spacing. It's hard to get harder to get spacing between these guys. Like, how in the world, Jared Gibble, Panay, and Jack Holyfield all going to redshirt in the same year? And how are you going to keep them all happy with playing time over the course of their careers? Assuming they're you probably all good can't redshirt one, right? Is that the you, you let one play and then try and get some yeah, separation but, but that way? You you might let him play, but who's? I mean. Is he going to take away snaps from James Mitchell, Nick Gallo, or Drake Dulius? Probably not. So you, you at that point, <clears throat> I guess you play him on special teams, maybe. Um, but you want to waste a red shirt yeah. on just to play a guy on special teams. Um, <clears throat> maybe with Panay you do because technic. I mean, he basically redshirted last year to a certain extent, even though it doesn't count as one. I don't know. It just takes the whole roster management thing up to another level that 
I'm sure everyone wishes it was not at that level. Well, these guys all get paid a lot more money than we do to figure that yeah. stuff out. Well, so. and guess what? None of them are going to be able to figure it out because <laughs> there's only so many. All right. You're trying to win football games. You're not trying to make, I don't know, Dallin Wright happy, right? So you're, it's like, and I'm not criticizing Wright. I, I'm just you, I'm just picking a name off the list. Like, yeah, I could play him 10 snaps a game if I really wanted to and keep him happy and he stays in the program. But, but when I, those 10 snaps I put him in the game, I have to take out Trey Turner. Does that really help right, you right, football? Right, game? right. So, and then let's see, and I lost this game because of those 10 snaps, and then I got fired. <laughs> so ultimately I got fired because I was trying to keep a freshman happy. Right. Right? Um, you can't do both on, on a lot of occasions. So. All right, so we're very close to getting to your questions on YouTube. Again, if you're watching right now, drop them in. We've got a couple of right now. But well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to assign baseball to Chris. I'm going to assign softball to Will because okay. it was a big weekend for both of those two sports. And so let's start with baseball. Let's do a quick just 60-second update. Um, honestly, it was a terrific series for the Hokies this weekend against Boston College. What was significant? What do Hokie fans need to know? Why was this weekend important for Texas? Uh, very important because they only went in the weekend with two of their three starters. Um, they had to win a bullpen game on Friday night, and they lost it, right? Uh, or, oh, no, they uh, they came back and um, – No. It was oh, Thursday. Thursday. I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Thursday, yeah, because everything Thursday, got pushed, Friday, pushed forward. So the first game of the series, <clears throat> you felt like we really need a good outing from the starter – offered to save our bullpen for the rest of the weekend. Well, they didn't get it, and they lost the game, right? However, Okuda, who came in a bit through seven innings. Right, so so that helped save arms for the rest of the weekend. But still, at that stage, you're like, well, uh, we've already lost with one of our starters, and this is not setting up to be a series win. But it turned into one um, because slowly some more pitching depth has been developed. And the defense has gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. Like Kevin Madden looks like a different player right now than he did a month ago at third base. And so imagine that. Like as soon as you get better relief pitching and as soon as you get better defense, you win five out of six ACC games. So um, to, to if, if you weren't paying attention over the weekend, Tech won two of the three games. Boston College won Thursday seven to three and led Friday five to nothing. And, and I, you know, it's funny. I was watching the game a little bit. I was taking an exam listening to Lays and Wells, and uh, I remember my mom came in, and she's like, are you are you watching the game? I was like, I mean, Tech had struck out 12 times, could not catch up to a fastball. I mean, did not look good. And then I stopped watching because I, I had to take an exam. Yeah. Down 5 nothing in the seventh, three innings away from losing the series. To Boston College. And I believe there were two outs in the ninth, by the way, with bases loaded, down by a run. And Madden, two-run single, um, just kind of squibbed into right past the second baseman. Long story short, Virginia Tech is now tied for first in the Coastal Division. At 9-7. and seven. Right. 11-7. Um, well, 11-7. and 11-7. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes, my bad. Now, I know people were getting upset when Tech lost a couple series in a row and then lost to VCU or what I knew in C. Greensboro. But, you know, it's important to point out that the year Virginia Tech was a number one seed in the NCAA tournament in 2013, they went 16-14. and 14. In the, in the ACC. ACC. That's just the nature of baseball. And they had three non-conference losses that year to teams like VCU and UNC Greensboro. Yeah. Those things happen all the time in baseball. That's just the nature of baseball. Even in the majors, you know, your worst team wins 60 games. And your best team loses 60. 
Right. But, but what a great couple of weeks. <clears throat> they were six and six, and now they're 11 and right. seven. Mm-hmm. And John Sheff will, barring like a complete collapse down the stretch, I would have to think he's ACC coach of the year. Without, well, yeah, I agree. I do know that the job on the other side, right, like Pittsburgh being as good as they are, is big right. in Notre Dame. What, what, it's going to be Link yeah. Jared. It's going to be Chef, and it's going to be the coach what, of uh, what did Pitt Mike do, Bell. What did Pitt do this past weekend? Don't know off the top of my head. Okay. But I think Pittsburgh, like, I mean, Virginia Tech kind of exposed them a little bit right. mm-hmm. last weekend. And right now the fact that Tech is t- – Georgia Tech is a perennial power. They're a power. Year in yeah, and year absolutely. out. So, by the way, not – so this weekend, Tech baseball at Wake Forest – a winnable series, but let me preface by saying, like, Wake Forest is a good team that will make an NCAA regional. Mm. That's at Wake. And then next weekend in Blacksburg, three-game series against Georgia Tech. Right. And that'll be biggest series of the year. Should be good weather. Yeah, exactly. So, as great as that was for baseball, like, like backs against the wall, they come back and win a series against – a team that Coach Chef says, by the way, is the hardest team to prepare for in the league is BC, Boston College. BC, like, that's a good baseball team. BC has one projected top 10 pick in the draft and two other potential first-round picks. Yep. Um, they have some high-level talent. They, what, they, what, they swept Auburn earlier this year? Took the series. Took the series, two out of three against that's Auburn. A, I mean, Auburn in the SEC, that's a big right. deal. I mean, yeah. so, uh, and by the way, one quick note before we transition to softball. Uh, so Mike Gambino is the coach of Boston College, and he was an assistant at Virginia Tech. Um under Pete Hughes. And I just thought I'd point this out because he's got a lot of ties and I feel really lucky to work with Andrew Wells, who's my anal- uh, the analyst for the ACC network at tech when I call games. So he worked with Gambino when he was a player in the mid two thousands Wells. And he speaks so highly of him and his time in Blacksburg. So they lose that game on Sunday, big, I'm sorry, Saturday, big one. They're about to fly home and Gambino took the entire team to the Memorial outside of Burris, the April 16th Memorial, the April 16th Memorial. And I just thought that was a really classy move and there's just a lot of respect i know that both programs have for each other in gambino so i thought that was um something cool that was worth mentioning on the podcast today yep. okay will uh, as big as it was for soft, uh, baseball virginia tech softball now has series wins against duke clemson and florida state they're the queens of the acc right now will yeah so if you look at the top four teams in the acc in softball it's florida state clemson virginia tech and duke and and yes virginia tech is collectively seven and three is that correct one loss to Clemson, one loss to Florida State, one loss to Duke, and yep. uh, yeah, two and one, two and yeah. Yep. So Virginia Tech is seven and three against the other three teams in the top four of the ACC. Um, the 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 thing that the Hokies have struggled with, I think, that puts them behind Florida State and Clemson is they haven't been able to sweep anyone. They have won something like six or seven. I think it's seven ACC series in a They've row. Won all of them. Yeah. yeah. But but I think the thing is so tough though is that. Baseball is still three-game series. To win four games in the sweep is so tough. Yeah, Tech and, does seem to have had played a tough schedule, too. Well, like They've yeah. played Duke, Clemson, and Florida State. And, and somebody somebody yeah. on the softball board <laughs> phrased it that uh, that Florida State's been bottom-feeding, you know. And, yeah. Uh, so, anyway, so let's look at the standings. And, and I've, I've tweeted this out and talked about it on the boards. Florida State is 12-2 uh, and two in the ACC. Clemson is 18-4. and four. That's a combined record of 30-6. and six. Those two teams are thirty and six. They are two and four against Virginia Tech and twenty eight two against everyone else. Mm, right, but that's not that's uh, not going to matter. Virginia Tech is currently uh, let's see four games in a loss column behind Florida State and uh, eh, four four up in the win column. You're you're, you're talking, but you're you know you're talking about ACC tournament seeding. Yeah, that think bigger than the ACC tournament. Virginia Tech could be a higher seed. 
relative in the NCAA tournament relative um, based on strength of schedule. Yes. Um, um, just it's like, who cares what seed you get in the ACC tournament? The ultimate goal is the NCAA tournament. Correct. It's just like in basketball. Quit thinking about whether Vitek gets a double buy in the ACC tournament. But but we need to but, give Bill Bill Brill another reason to spin <laughs> in his grave. Right. So, well, uh, let, let me say this as well, that Tech very well could be sweeping teams like Pittsburgh and Louisville if they threw Keeley every single yeah. game. And, and there's a lot of really good freshman pitchers that just need innings. And again, I mean, these are we talk about receivers that are could be in high school right now that didn't have their senior year of high school. That's for all athletes. So you've yeah. got these pitchers coming in or position players who haven't played competitively since 2019 in terms of school ball from the majority of them, of course. Yeah, that's, that's and you're trying true. to get them innings. And they're very talented. Matt Osborne threw really well this weekend. Ivy Rosenberry. So I, I think that's exactly the model Keeping here. freshmen just, happy. And they're, right? they're trying and, and to it, bring it them It extends along. across all sports. <laughs> so, and by the way, I was actually talking to some people over at softball. They were just mentioning how like Keely Rochard has been like the perfect mentor to the next crop of Virginia Tech pitchers that are right. going to be really good when she graduates and when she leaves. So – um, it's been really cool. Top 10 RPI, by the way, Hokey Chip. He's right here. Top ready 10 to go. RPI, see? Yeah, so top yeah, 10 RPI. Yeah. Right. So, so let's uh, – but but let me uh, – like They could end up posting. I, that's another really good point. I think Virginia Tech softball has a very good chance of hosting a regional well, 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 Would you? Would you – I, I prefer to do both, of course. But would you rather host a regional or be the number one seed in the ACC tournament? Because oh, they, they aren't mutually exclusive, right? I think it's hosting a region. Not necessarily. Absolutely. Uh, like, I think yeah. 10 times out of 10, you yeah, Right, right. Absolutely. So, like, Tech might not be the number one seed in the ACC tournament, but they might host a regional, whereas Florida State and Clemson may not. Well, and again, what's what defines an ACC champion, too? It's the tournament. Right, right. right. So if you, if there's four really good teams in the ACC and it's at a neutral site, the only thing that matters but, is you're going to be the away team compared right. to the home team. I mean, that's that's it. But because of the how big conferences are these days, and they create these big unbalanced schedules, it really makes the postseason conference events from a competitive standpoint like irrelevant. Like you're the and I'm. This isn't me talking trash on Virginia Tech. This is just stating facts. Virginia Tech had by far the easiest bat schedule in men's basketball this year. They got the number three seed, but they only got the number nine seed. In were they a nine? Yeah, a nine in the no a ten, ten. a ten in the NCAA tournament. Right. Um. There have been, there have been years in the past where Virginia Tech. I, I want to say like they're. Uh, They've been lower seeded in the ACC tournament, been higher seeded in the NCAA tournament because they faced a tougher schedule. That's well, what I'm um, trying to say. Yeah, so, so well, like Tech lost like 11 games in 2007, but they played such a tough schedule that they were the number five, five seed, seed in yeah, the NCAA right, tournament, yeah. right? Um, so I I almost think or I understand that people, tradition is the ACC tournament do as well as possible, but and everything. But I I think. Some, sometimes I feel like the traditions of conference tournaments create expectations from the fan base when in reality our focus needs to be on the NCAA tournament. That's the most important thing. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, real quick, I want to point this out that uh, Chip Grubb uh, hosting is going to be crazy. NCAA is predetermining sites this year, and those will be chosen three weeks before Selection Sunday. Why? And I think that's because of COVID. Uh, I think of that's course. part of the – so I think that's a – 
that's that's the reason. So and that's a great I, point. Oh uh, no, no, no! Wouldn't now you've got a track record here where Blacksburg is is not willing to have people come in from outside. That's true. Uh, so yeah, I would be shocked if Virginia Tech. Was okay, we're not going to host. Never mind. I uh, <laughs> let, let me rephrase by saying if this was a normal year, there yes. would be a very good chance of them hosting. Right. So 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 here here are some fun stats. They put this up during the uh, uh, broadcast on the ACC network Saturday. I think I don't think it was Sunday. I think it was Saturday. And uh, Damian Salas was responsible for feeding these stats to the ACC network. Angela Tincher and Keely Rochard. Did you see this one, Evan? I know you saw my tweet. No, actually, I have not been on Twitter until this. I don't know if All I saw right. this. So through 88 appearances, this is a comparison of uh, Angela Tincher and Keely Rochard through 88 games. Tincher's uh, ERA was .99. Rochard is 1.69. Tincher had 54 wins. Rochard has 58. So four more wins. And and we all know that's about the hitting support. Complete. They each have 70 complete games through 88 starts. Tincher had 18 shutouts. Rochard has had 27, which I find interesting. Um, innings, 509 for Tincher, 459 for Rochard. And I think that's because... Tech is run ruling a lot of teams these days. That's that's partially responsible. Yeah, there, better there, bats. there are games yeah, where yeah. Keeley pitches five innings instead of seven. Sure. Now, <laughs> of course, strikeouts are the thing. Now, Keeley Burchard strikes a lot of batters out. She's not Cat Osterman, Angela Tincher level, but real quick, uh, you want uh, the innings pitch? I just want to make this point, not to cut you off. Okay, you know what? Because the offense wasn't there for Tincher. Oh, I know. Right? Yeah, the, the run absolutely. rules just wasn't a, a possibility. Sure. Those. So I just yeah. wanted to point that out. Sorry. Absolutely right. So, it, it, through 88 appearances, Tincher had 966 strikeouts, and Rochard has, has 618. So, Tincher, basically, there were times you didn't even need to put a defense on the field. She's Tincher had, so, so let, me, let me run all those numbers again. 509 innings, 966 strikeouts. That's almost two strikeouts per inning. <laughs> and that's basically what she did for her entire career is almost two strikeouts an inning. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. Now, meanwhile, Rochard is 459 innings. 618 strikeouts, so that's like 1.3 per Which inning. Which is still quite good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, remember Tencher no-hit the U- Team USA. Yes. Which, so, which, by the way, you've got to strike out a lot of people. I personally feel like it, that is one of the most underrated moments in Virginia Tech athletics history. Absolutely. I know that football and men's basketball, I mean, those are the, the sports, and that's where it, you know a lot of people pay the more attention to. But to that Team USA team had won over 120 games in a row. You're Would talking that, about the best – Softball players in the world. Would that be like men's basketball beating the dream team? Yeah. Yes. yes. That kind of that, thing. That's, yes. that's pretty much what and that And Angela Tincher had gotten – she should have been on that team, and she got left off. And I think there were some things behind the scenes that, like, I don't well, know well, why. Well, Jen, Jenny she, Finch was a big star back then, and, and I think Finch pitched that game against she, Virginia Tech. I think she did, but there was also, there was also many pitchers. But she – bottom line, she should have been taken on that team. It's something about she wasn't – and she goes out there and no hits them. Tech won one nothing. They they manufactured a run early on, and Tincher made it stay. So, you know, it's up. cool. I, I, in the in the Beamer barn, the, the Beamer lost an indoor practice. You look up, and there's a couple of banners of different sports, and Angela Tincher's there. I, I was like, I, I mean, she is one of the greatest athletes to ever yeah. play at Virginia Tech. Third, I, I mean, you know – if. If you made a Mount Rushmore and, you know, you didn't give football and men's basketball bonus points for being revenue sports. Right. If, if everything theoretically was equal, she would be on the Mount Rushmore. So I remember a conversation I had with Whit Babcock years ago, and I don't remember when. I think he was thinking about what to do with the softball program. And I don't know if Scott Thomas had been let go 
or, or if Witt was just thinking about it, but he asked me, he said, uh, a question to the effect of, you know, how, how do Virginia Tech fans feel about softball? And I said, well, it is a, it is more popular among Virginia Tech fans than you would think. And, and I, I said, if you talk about beloved athletes at this university, Bruce Smith, Michael Vick, Angela Tincher is way up there. And I, so I told Whit, you know, she, she captured the imagination of Virginia Tech fans. And the other thing about softball is it's, it's an easy sport to watch and understand. You know, it's everybody played baseball when they were a kid, played softball, wiffle ball, whatever. You, you can watch the sport. You can just roll in and watch it without really knowing a lot about it. Whereas things like track and lacrosse, uh, you know, lacrosse I mean, knows, even football to a certain extent, it's, it's like, you got to learn about it. You got to learn yeah, about it. Yeah. You know, like there's no play calling in softball. Right? So, so I was just kind of pitching him on the idea of, don't know what you're thinking about, but if you're thinking about going hard to the hole for softball, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's kind of worth it. So uh, Hoagie Chip brings up a great point about that game. When, by the way, well, like, we can do a whole podcast on that. It, it, it's really cool. That game was broadcast on ESPN, but it was tape delayed. So they showed it later than it was played. I mean, a big deal, right? That was on ESPN. Huh. That game was um, – so people didn't get to watch and, that live. This was the days before all social media. Right. So it's not like you got up to date. Twitter saying, "Oh my God, Angela Tencher just beat the." Like, Olympics. could you imagine that today? If like our, 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 you know, that happened today with Twitter and social, I mean, to be sure, it'd be I nuts. mean, you'd no be, one would happen. You'd yeah. be uh, that, well, but, the, well, the equivalent is probably with Kai Lewis winning a national championship. He became a mega star like yes. overnight when he won his national championship. So, he, I hope you chip comments, Chip Grub. Uh, Scott Thomas has commented that every player in that game against U- Team USA would get uh, would would get into that game with Tencher pitching three innings. And then she ended up going the whole game, and Tech ended with some pitchers playing the outfield at the end. <laughs> so imagine that. So you get That's into that, and, I, and it's a scrimmage, right? So you're not – but imagine that. Like, you're sitting there as a coach. You're Scott Thomas. You're three innings, you're like, and you're like, huh. holy cow, we we could – like, we're, we're scoreless, or we're up one nothing. Like, we we got to try and win this thing. <laughs> so, anyways, there's actually – Hokie Vision did a great little mini documentary on the 10-year anniversary, I think, two years ago or something like uh, – just – or 15 years, whatever. But – um. It's really awesome, you know, Justin. Uh, let's let's transition to the uh, uh, the comments real quick. Justin Thomas, VT Mount Rushmore, Vic, Tincher, Mackay. Who gets the last spot? You know, strong candidate is Bruce Smith, uh, number one pick. That, that's what Ronnie NFL is trying leader. to do. Now, now there are no men's basketball players there. Um, you go, Del Curry. Uh, I'm I'm such a Bimbo Coles fan. Um. Nikhil might be able to one day make a stronger argument to be the men's basketball representative. Yeah, but he was only here two years. Yeah, true. Um, um, but yeah, anyway, it's a fun discussion. Hey, hey, how about this? Like over the summer, we've got some more time. We'll do a podcast dedicated to Mount Rushmore. <laughs> <Top athletes. laughs> yeah. We're going to have some time over we the summer. We can argue about that. Yeah. So <laughs> all right, let's transition. I wanted to get in some questions. Les Hodges has been waiting patiently for his question. Um Lots of talk in various VT forums about quarterback development and whether we are or aren't doing a good job of that. In your view, what are the right elements of quarterback development? Keep it short. God, that's impossible. Um, (laughs) You know, sometimes it may come down to whether you recruit the right quarterback. Uh, Some some guys are raw by nature and they just – maybe they got by on their athleticism and – high school to a certain extent now granted there's some really good athletes at quarterback who were definitely great athletes and still developed into f- 
full, you know, complete quarterbacks, you know, guys like Jalen Hurts and people like that, Mahomes. Um, our quarterback de- development could – I mean, maybe the issue is we're just recruiting the wrong quarterbacks. That could easily be it is amongst anything else. Um I, I never played quarterback, so I don't understand the intricacy of it. So wait a minute, repeat it. the question. Let's make sure we're answering the question. Right. It was essentially... In your view, what are the right elements of quarterback development? I, I think... Learning to progress through your reads. Yeah, and I don't know how you go about doing that because I never played quarterback. I don't know what goes on in a film room or anything yeah. like that. Uh, now, I, I think... I, I certainly... Having good receivers helps make a good quarterback, and and don't get me wrong, I really like Jaden Payot and I really like Jalen Jones, but they're young, young freshmen, inexperienced players. Um, so I don't think we, you know, Trey Turner and, and Tavion better stay healthy this year, right? Um, well, and so another thing, learning to make the right reads in the read option. Um, where Ryan, yeah. Ryan Willis just never progressed. Right, right, exactly. And uh, certainly never progressed there. I don't know why that is. It, it was at one point that the coaches were actually joking with him and saying, you know, Ryan, whatever you think you should do, you should probably do the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Right? Um, I, but I, I still think it go. Well, some of it does go back to wide receiver depth. Like, do you remember, like, in 2007 when Virginia Tech had Eddie Royal, Josh Morgan, Harper, uh, Harper, and Clowny, Clown, and we're forgetting. Uh, I don't know. There, there was there was one year where Tech had four NFL receivers. It yeah. might have been, yeah. Like Trey Turner's our number one receiver now, and he would have been behind all of those guys, right? So we think of Trey as like a really good player because he's a starter, and he is a good player, but he's not Eddie Royal good or. Isaiah Ford good or Josh Morgan good or Justin or Harper Jared, Jared good. Bork, Jared Bork, Jared, yeah, exactly. Um, he, we think of him as good because of his recruiting ranking. He was a highly ranked recruit, right? He was higher ranked than Isaiah Ford, higher ranked than Cam Phillips. Okay, now wait a minute, you're, 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 but you're getting off the rails. Uh, you're not answering the question. I know. <laughs> well, t- I think we, I think we have a, a couple of good points here. Um, how about this? You're talking about receivers. Let me transition to another question from Zachary uh, Stanfield. Was asking how J- Coach Jafar Williams and the wide receiver group coming along. We just talked about that earlier, Zach. But he prog- he specifically asked, "Is Changa Hodge progressing?" Uh that's a good question. And how would we know? I don't know. I've seen one hour of practice. I would think by default, yes, he's going to progress <laughs> because he, he's. I mean, the guy got here. He didn't commit to Tech last year. I mean, he was a transfer from Villanova, by the way. Late in the process. late in the process. Very like, productive. Like he found out Villanova wasn't going to play football last year, and he entered the portal. He committed to Tech after Tech's August practices had already began. He arrives in Blacksburg, and then apparently there's like there was like a ten day COVID protocol that you have to go through or something like that if you're arriving on campus within a program. I don't know, but so he got to practice and couldn't practice basically. Finally, gets to start practicing, and then practice gets shut down because of COVID, and that the season starts, and that dude barely even practiced. Barely got any practice in in a brand new offense with brand new terminology and brand new plays. Everything completely different to him. Uh, so yes, I would think by default 
going through spring practice and actually learning some intricacies of the offense for the first time. Uh, that uh, yeah, I'm sure he's going to progress. <laughs> well, he How caught, could he not? He, he played in nine games and caught three balls. <laughs> yes, I I guarantee he'll do better this year. <laughs> now, here's the thing: like we, we talk about, you know, he only caught three balls. Evan Fares was a similar guy, a late addition, yeah. uh, or somebody, or a new addition to the program who didn't get to go through spring practice, yeah. and he only caught two passes. I didn't think he was very good to begin with. I just thought he was a basically brought in as a blocking specialist. The wide receiver, which he was which, good which at. He was good at. Yeah. yeah, I just didn't think he was not a good athlete right. and was never going to catch very many passes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Hodge will be better. Um, how much better? I don't know. Um, I think Burmeister, from what I from what I saw the other day, extremely small one hour, one hour sample size. <coughs> Burmeister just he looked a little more smooth than Hooker. I, right. I thought right. more yeah. accurate. Um, He's a darn good runner too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Full transparency, folks. I've got to uh, charge my computer last night. I'm on three percent battery, and I don't want to lose good. these questions. That... So we're gonna go rapid fire here. Okay. <laughs> want to make sure we get these in. I'm gonna give a question uh, to both of you. Let's go like 30 seconds on this. Right. Is Keyshawn Artis gonna play much? Dax said in an interview that he might consider coming back for another year. Could he split some time with Dax? Well, first he's got to be the number two, Mike. Right, we don't even know if he's number two now. I assume he is. Hmm. Um, most of that is going to come down to Dax. D- Mike is considered Dax's most natural position. The one time he got them play Mike though this past year against Liberty was he had not his worst he had a, game. one of his worst games. Definitely his rushing game from a rush defense mm-hmm. standpoint. Yeah. So I think whether Artis plays any or not is it's more about Dax. Yeah. Okay. Another question from Zach. Starting units on offense and defense look pretty solid. Who's starting to serve as a backup for Tisdale and Connor? Oh, yeah. Um, I, th- I would expect Nasir Peoples maybe to be the backup. Whoop. That's where he was before when he uh, before he blew out his knee. Yeah. And, and like I said earlier, they, they could use a cornerback there in long yardage situations too. Yep. And who was the other? Backer. Oh, oh uh, backer. You know, well, gosh, I don't know exactly. I don't have the is, depth chart in my I don't head. Have, I'm not good at these kind I don't, of questions. I need, I need a roster in front of me. Yep. Uh, but I, I think they're the guy they recruited from Marshall, the transfer. Right. If he's eligible, well, you're eligible this year right away. Yeah. That That's certainly a, a possibility. Uh, oh, gosh. The guy, he was a, a freshman, a true freshman this past year, played on special teams from the 757. Mm. He was a safety and now he's a backer. He's 6'4", 215, and he looks like a monster. You can't remember his name. You can't remember all can't that remember stuff. His name either. Um, not a two-day. A two-day's a freshman no, this a two, year. Right? A two-day's a true freshman this year. Uh, yeah, I'm blanking, too. About, I love all I'm, these I'm football a, questions. Everyone's all all fired up here for football. Um, how about this? One more from uh, Jacob Yates while you, you look that up. Anything positive to report on the recruiting trail for football? I mean, depends on your definition of positive. My, my definition of good recruiting doesn't necessarily match up with everybody else's, so I'm not the best guy to ask there. Uh, there's, there's just no news, basically. Okay. Abel, Although, and, um, yeah, you know, and, and I'm sure if, if he's asking about recruiting, he probably follows this. The crystal balls are all turning for Gunnar Givens to, to Virginia Tech, and um, I don't know. There's just not a whole lot going on, you know. Wait, this is going to be a really, really small class. Right now, technically speaking, Virginia Tech only has room for eight players in this class, right? Because of the everybody gets an extra year and blah blah yeah. blah, right? Now they'll end up signing more than that because of attrition, 
But if you're expecting this to be a highly ranked class with eight or ten players in it, all of them would have to be five-star or four-star players for that to happen. Um, the player I was talking about is Lakeem Rudolph. Right, right. Um, um, Ed Backer. Um, he looks the part. Um, I, I really I think highly of Dean Ferguson, too, and mm. Mike. Uh, these are all young players, redshirt freshmen and such, though. Yeah. One more question on the basketball front. We know Coach Young is targeting a post player. Any insight into the top names we might target? Any shot of the kid from Furman, even though he's more of a four and not of a true five? I, I haven't paid yeah, you know, I, I'll be honest. Not. I have not been looking uh, a ton. I need my, to. My, my, we run so much content these days, and as managing editor, my focus is generally on the articles we write. And then when it comes to recruiting, like – you just see recruiting sites out there. It's their full-time job to know recruits' names. And, yeah, and, and that's like, not That's us. not us. Uh, my philosophy on recruiting is someone commits, and then I look at them and determine whether I think he's a good player. Tech has offered in, in football 300-plus guys, right, yeah. in general. I can't it, keep it, up it, with it, all that. Drive. And, and then add basketball to it. So generally speaking, like our, our, our philosophies are to – Unless it's a big name like Gunner Gunner Givens, who we know Tech's heavily recruited yeah. him, like I'm going to focus on. Oh, I'm going to focus on what Tech's recruits after they commit, after I know they're who they are. And, and most basketball recruits, and this includes transfers, you don't know who's on the board until they announce. I mean, I knew Jalen Cohn was a top 100 recruit, and Tech was recruiting him heavily, uh, but because he was five nine, I assumed he was a point guard, and I didn't know he was an elite shooter. Right. I didn't know anything about him. I just yeah. knew he was a top 100 recruit, right? Anyway, you so. know, when you ask us questions like, how's it going with this recruit? How's it going with that recruit? You know, who's on the board? Who are they recruiting? At? We don't know that. Just, yeah, that that's not really what we, we do. We don't know that yeah. stuff. Nonetheless, appreciate everybody's questions today. Really some good ones. And it all started with good morning. I like sandwiches and I like cheese. So I'll always remember this podcast for these comments <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, Chris is the best managing editor in the land. And uh, I know we've got a lot of great content coming up this week as always. You know, can I just say, we, we always talk about Brandon Patterson. Like, he's the man. Like, his articles are awesome. So is he sending one in this week? Yeah, he already sent it in. So that's what I'll be editing and What's posting it about? this afternoon. Oh, I don't know. Continuing the tech offense. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh, I just know we sent it in. I haven't read it yet. (laughs) You see the Uh, name and you're like, okay. Yep, yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll have that today. And I forget which position I'm on in order of my, like, spring previews. I think I moved to defense now. You've you've done offensive line, right? Yeah. I think I've done every offensive position. You've done everything, yeah. Yeah, so moving on to defense now on that side of the ball. And I will try to get some pictures out of the uh, weight room and of the student athlete performance center. Right. Will Stewart, the photography, hmm. the photographer, excuse me. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, guys, great show. You know, it's funny before the show today, I was looking, I was like, kind of a light show today. Here we are again, an hour and 40 minutes in. So this wow. was great, great content, great stuff. And, uh, really enjoying talking football again, because that's, uh, it's kind of next on the horizon is Virginia tech football. Just about a couple months away. So, all right, uh, gentlemen, any closing thoughts? Anything else we need to get through? No, I don't think so. I'm just very excited because the weather's getting good. Yeah. Thank goodness. You are, you are yeah. not going to see below freezing temperatures uh, again. Yes, the last cold day of the year was Thursday. The when, day when Virginia Tech, just, uh, out of all 15 practices, they chose the coldest day of the entire In the morning, to at open. 8 o'clock. At 8 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> all right well that'll wrap things up episode 174 of the tech sideline podcast don't forget to follow us on twitter we're at tech sideline but will's on twitter i will stewart tsl 
Chris is on Twitter at Chris Coleman TSL, and you can stay up to date with everything going on with Virginia Tech Athletics. TechSideline.com is our website. That'll do it for us. We hope you can join us next Monday here for another edition of the Tech Sideline Podcast. For our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land behind the scenes, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. Thanks so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 174 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by DraftKings. Anytime Fitness, as well as the Southeast Regional Training Center. Have a great week, Hokies. We'll talk to you next Monday.